This is the last Falcon Twin podcast from falcontwin.com. I'm Brendan. So all of this has been sinking in for a couple of days. I've been gradually putting things away, all my drawing supplies, all the stuff I did with Falcon Twin, all my sketchbooks and everything are all sort of piled up there. I'm not using them anymore, so they're on the shelf and put away. And it feels like it may be a little bit too soon for a Final Thoughts podcast because I'm still sort of getting to grips with everything myself. And it might even be a few weeks before I've collected all my thoughts, but here it is nonetheless. My thanks to all the people who have emailed me and posted in the forums because even if I don't say it a lot, I really do appreciate all of the messages you've sent me, and I'm glad you all enjoyed Falcon Twin. I sat down this afternoon and I read through all the posts that I wrote beneath the strips of Falcon Twin. And my very first post began with me saying hello and welcome to Falcon Twin, the shitty webcomic with the pretentious name, lousy writing, shockingly bad art, stereotypical characters, and an author most rational people would enjoy seeing beaten to death. And interestingly, I think I've actually been accused of just about all of that at some point along the way. Reading through the comment posts did kind of annoy me in a way, although I noticed that as time went on, they annoyed me less because they gradually grew more snarky, which is something that I've been thinking about recently, is this brand of internet humor that's sort of started, and I know it existed prior to the internet, but it seems to have really sort of intensified this incredible, vicious, vicious sarcasm that is just so deliciously funny, and so thumbs up for that. And as more of that crept into my posts, they didn't quite annoy me as much. And looking through the posts, I noticed that they sort of shifted because as time went on, they were less and less about the pages and all the technical details of what went on in them. And it was more about you know, various other things that I felt like ranting about. And I noticed that a part of the reason that reading through the comments annoyed me is because a lot of it was discussion about stuff that ultimately, looking back four years later, is just worthless. I mean, it, I just don't care about a lot of the stuff, the technical discussion the bitching about cascading style sheets and Internet Explorer and regular expressions and Ruby and all of that stuff is just super boring. Some of the stuff about college is pretty terrible too. And reading through all of that has really made me start to believe that it might actually be best for artists who are doing webcomics and things like that to just mainly shut up and not talk so much and just let the, the material that they're making speak for itself. Or at the very least, if you're going to talk and editorialize and do all your thing, do it in kind of a separate place so it's not sitting right there next to the pages. Have a separate blog or have a separate podcast or something like that. And you know, do all your bitching about stuff there where people kind of expect it, but it's not attached to the pages because going back and reading through Falcon Twin, I see all these posts about things that ultimately it just doesn't matter. Also, as I was looking through the posts, it became pretty clear that the frequency of them decreased drastically, especially around the beginning of 2004, which in a way made me kind of glad that I didn't commit to a schedule, partly because I think if I had been reading these pages and these comments over and over and over again, I would have gotten even more annoyed if there had been three times as many of them. But also just because it would have been annoying to write them. And I think the whole tendency of blog posts decreasing in frequency is kind of natural for most people, unless you're blogging with a cause, you know, if you're blogging about politics or something like that, or even blogging about video games or whatever, you're always going to have fresh material to talk about. But if you're just talking about whatever springs to mind or whatever you're working on, I mean, at some point you've said everything that you really want to say about your material that you're making and, you know, you kind of stop. But it was interesting how incredibly sparse it really did get towards the end because there were times when I was just clicking through page after page after page 
looking for a new comment post and realized, boy, it's been you know two months since these these comments went up, and I still haven't posted anything new. But looking back, I think I did actually have a point. I I made a post last week about I wish I had kept a journal, and I still actually think that that would have been a good idea. Not so much for everyone else, because I think that people care less about that stuff than than I would. But it would have definitely been useful for me to be able to go back and read, because some of it, yes, it's definitely annoying, but some of it also is kind of interesting to go back and, and see. Plus also, a lot of the comments are so out there, and just they're very brief, and they don't really give you any context. Or they're in the context of a sudden change in the page. I think one of the comments that was in there was something where I had just changed the entire site design, and I made some post about, oh my god, the site's been hacksword lol. It's, yeah, it probably seemed kind of funny at the time, but looking back, no, it, it didn't really make a lot of sense. And especially if you're reading through it now and you never saw the original site, as a lot of people probably didn't, it makes no sense. You just come across this post and say, what the hell is he talking about? So that's where something like that, I think, would probably be better in a journal than in the blog post associated with the the webcomic. So if anyone out there is thinking about starting a webcomic or doing something like that, there's a little piece of advice I give you is, you know, don't necessarily link all your blog posts and everything to your strip. You know, you can keep those in separate places and I think it works out just fine. And if you really do need to attach stuff to a comic, you can do that. But otherwise, you know, you know keep all your all the stuff that's not directly about the page or about the comic and what's going on somewhere else. And as I was going through the comments I I noticed a few things I wanted to talk about. Early on, I, I saw that the pages were taking 8 to 10 hours, which kind of surprised me. I guess maybe I had forgotten that they took that long ever since the very beginning, but they, they did obviously increase a, a couple hours by the end. I suppose that maybe, because I kept expressing these hopes in the comments that I was going to be able to do it more quickly, and I think that that might have been a little unrealistic, because no matter what, they never really seemed to get any faster at all, except the last two or three, which, because there really wasn't much going on in the page, I didn't have to do backgrounds, and there was only a couple of characters to shade, so those went faster. But otherwise, I think, you know, those pages are going to take a fairly long time, just no matter what you do. In June of 2003, on the 13th, I posted that I actually used up my first blue pencil lead, which at the time was a big milestone for me. Now that I think about it, I've just completely lost track of the number of times that I had to go buy new supplies, buy new paper, buy new pens to do the inking, buy new you know, pencil leads. Actually, I didn't have to buy new pencil leads because I got a whole jillion of them at one point. But that was sort of an interesting little way of measuring milestones that works really well the first time, then not so much. I also saw that when I switched the fonts, because originally I was done in Comic Sans, and then I switched to this comic font that I got off of Blambot, and all of the the dialogue was went to all caps now instead of being uppercase, lowercase, mixed. That really kind of irked me at the time, and looking back, it still actually kind of irks me, because I don't understand where this tradition comes from in comics, and I'm sure that I... If I were to look around, I could find it. But boy, is it stupid. I don't understand where that, what the purpose is in continuing that. So that's a tradition in comics that really just needs to die a terrible death. The fire in 2003, it was interesting because I never really posted a lot about that on the site. I mean, I've mentioned it a couple of times, but I never really got into a lot of detail. And I think I did in a previous podcast. I'm not going to go too much into it here, but that was one of the, the big memories for me because it was just such a bizarre event to have all of a sudden half of San Diego burning up and everything pretty much cleared out and packed into the trunk of my car, and me just sitting in there on my couch drawing Falcon Twin. It was just such a strange, bizarre experience. You know, listen to the radio trying to you know, catch any news about what was going on, whether I was going to need to evacuate. Very, very weird thing. And I also noticed that early on, especially you know, when I was doing the pages before I started doing it in Photoshop, I had this real hard-on for natural media 
art that I don't understand where the basis for that came from because when I look at all the things that I really like visually, almost all of them are invariably done. Actually, I'd say almost every single one of them is done in Photoshop or in Painter or something like that. So I don't know where I had this sort of quasi-romantic idea that doing stuff with paper and pencil was somehow better or more artistic or whatever, but boy, that just was complete bullshit. And I, I think that what that was based in was probably some sort of idea that, well, you know, real artists really prefer the natural media and the feel of pencil on paper, which, I don't know, I mean, it's, I can see how it's kind of convenient, you don't have to drag a laptop around with you and you can go draw various places, but... Really, I mean, frankly, working on the computer is not all that bad after all because you have wonderful things like undo and layers. And definitely drawing on the Wacom is not as nice as drawing on paper in the sense that you know, turning the tablet is really not as practical or easy. Still, I mean, if I were doing more art in the future, then I would definitely be doing it almost probably 100% on the computer. I mean, just doing it on paper and scanning it, it's just too much hassle. So it, straight into the PC from now on, if you ask me. I was looking through one of the posts. I I made a lot of posts on MMOs off and on, which was kind of interesting. And one I, I found really funny was where I said that there were these MMOs that looked absolutely amazing. I couldn't believe how awesome they looked. And I looked at what games they were. They were Ryzom, which is barely clinging to life after having effectively gone bankrupt sometime last year. Dark and Light, which launched last year early and was just a complete and total disaster and Dragon Empires, which was cancelled before it was ever launched, so I sure know how to pick them. But I think that Lotro is actually doing pretty well, which is interesting. For those of you who don't know, is Lord of the Rings Online, which just launched yesterday as I record this on Tuesday. Well, I record this on Wednesday. It launched on Tuesday. Boy, was it selling like mad. I was following Amazon and the top sellers in video games for the last week or so, and it was unbelievable. I mean, it was in the, consistently in the top five sellers for video games across everything. So it was outselling Pokemon a lot of the time. It was outselling The Sims and Burning Crusade and the Wii and the 360 and the PS3. It was amazing. So that one seems to be launching very well anyway. And I remember it's, I was looking at one of the comments and early on the Rocketbox people were saying that I beat myself up too much, which I found kind of funny because no matter how much I beat myself up, Rocketbox is completely gone and lasted longer. So, and it was weird, because looking back through the comments, it actually seemed like I was kind of harder on myself in a way than I have been in the last couple of years, because these last couple of years, it's been more of just a kind of defeatist attitude, where I've just said, yeah, forget it, I just obviously, this is not working out, and I'm never going to amount to anything. But earlier on, it was more of a, a sort of motivating thing, where I was, I noticed a lot of times in the comments, I'd say, this means I have to work harder. And I guess at some point, I just said, fuck hard work, I'm not doing that no more. And so it just got to be just complaining, which was sort of an interesting little shift. And I think that the shift happened early on in Chapter 2, because there was one point where, I don't know specifically what happened, but there was something with the page, and I just said, I hang my head in shame. And it was just so completely like, fuck it, I hang my head in shame, whatever. And I think that's where it, where it shifted from being, like, I seriously have to try harder and, and make this work, to just total loss of patience with the entire thing. There was, and it was interesting because this doesn't actually show up in the comments so much that I posted, but there was a whole lot of webcomic drama around the web back in the day. I will say that I definitely made the right choice when I quit paying attention to the webcomic world in general around the beginning of 2006 because it was just so much stupidity and pettiness and bitching and moaning and whining about what other people are doing and you know people spending more time agonizing over what style someone else is drawing 
than actually getting their own comic out there. And it's just so worthless and so counterproductive. And so I'm happy that I never really engaged in any of that, and I'm even happier that I just completely washed my hands of the entire thing. And, you know, as much as I thought when I made the decision not to pay attention to it, that it was really going to bother me, then I was going to say, oh, man, I'm going to have to go back and resubscribe to some of these podcasts because I really want to know what's going on. Ultimately, I never missed it at all. You know, I mean, there were a couple... I thought that the Blank Label Comics podcast was actually pretty good from the first, you know, few that I listened to. But when I stopped listening to it, I didn't really miss it all that much. So ultimately, you know, the the bottom line is that there are just a whole lot of tools in the webcomic world. If you listen to what they say and all of their dumb little cliques of hate over this and hate over that, all it's going to do is frustrate you. So, you know, there's another little piece of advice if you're actually going to start your own webcomic or work on it, is to just ignore them. Don't get involved. Don't go post on their message boards and don't ask for advice because ultimately it's just going to, you're just going to get hate. And there's no point. I mean, there's no value to that. Because especially if you go look at all the people hating and you look at their comics, by and large, they suck. And most of them aren't really even posting pages all that much. So, I mean, when they cross the 200 threshold or the 300 threshold, then maybe you know they're in a position to start complaining. And when I say the two or 300 threshold, I mean actual pages, not like I put clip art and dumb text onto it. That doesn't really count. You can do hundreds of those pretty easy. But when you've actually sat down and drawn a couple hundred pages, then maybe you've got a little prerogative to bitch. But even then, it's like, I didn't I didn't do that all that much. And so I don't really think that other people should do that too much either. And so don't pay attention to those people. Don't worry about them. Don't indulge them. It's like if a little kid's misbehaving, just you know, don't encourage it. And that's actually part of the reason that when I started listening to the Alpha Rants back in late 2005, it was such a breath of fresh air. And it was the one bit of webcomics community world that I actually did keep paying attention to after I pretty much stopped paying attention to everything else at the beginning of 2006 because they weren't like that. They had confidence. They had a plan for what they were going to do, and they didn't buy into the BS that's so pervasive in the webcomics world about, well, if you make money, you're just selling out, man, that kind of stuff. I noticed in the comments that I talked a bit about advertising, which most of it was worthless, and I guess now I can recap. I advertised at Chugworth, and that worked out really well. Actually, I think he charges a lot more now than he did at the time, but when I did run the ad at Chugworth, it wasn't very expensive at all, and it stayed up for way longer than I paid for, and I just got a ton of traffic out of that, so that was good. Uh, Mega Tokyo obviously brought in a bunch of people. That was where the big population readership jump sort of happened, and everything on Alpha Shade just brought in freaking ridiculous amounts of traffic. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I still get more traffic from Alpha Shade than I do from any other site, which is kind of amazing. Uh, even because you know, I don't. As far as I know, I don't think they're running the ads for Falcon Twin. They just have it in their links page, and I still get hundreds of uniques every month off of it, which is just amazing. And everything else that I spent money on was a waste. So OnlineComics.net was a waste. I think I might have run an ad on Buzz Comics that was a waste, and I ran an ad on Digital Strips. I did a couple ads at them actually. I did some ads in the podcast, and I did an ad on their website, and both of them were just worthless, completely worthless. At some point during, I believe, it was early in 2004, I began to add places for people to give feedback on the comic. First, I had a shoutbox on the site, which, for those of you who don't know what shoutboxes are, there's little tiny kind of mini message boards where it's just basically a list of comments, you know, name, comment, name, comment, and you can type in your name, and you can type in your comment, and you can hit submit, and then it adds it to the list. That had its merits, and it had its kind of downsides. It was a little bit more of a hassle administrating it than it would have 
I would have preferred because, you know, you had to keep track of making sure that people weren't posting as other people and that kind of stuff. And then it, I think late 2004, I introduced the forums. Altogether, I'm still kind of ambivalent about all of it because I can see the value that they have. And I think that there's a lot of really good discussion on the message boards, which is why I'm not just obliterating them completely when I finish the comic. But at the same time, administrating them is a hassle, and people misbehave, they do dumb things, they post dumb stuff, they you know, try to get around your bands and that kind of stuff. It's, it's a lot of administrative work that I almost really would rather not do. If I had to make a call, I would say it was definitely better to have them than not to have them. But I, I don't know, there must be an easier way, and I don't know what it is, because you really still need some sort of accountability, so you need registration Maybe you can use registration on some like TypePad or Gravatar or something like that. But whatever it is, you need some kind of accountability. You can't just let people run up and post whatever they want on your on your page, as Josh Lesnick once pointed out. But at the same time, you don't want to be too you don't want to make it too much of a hassle for people because then they will just not bother. So I don't know. It's it's something that I think needs to be worked on. I, I hate message boards on the internet in general, as I'm sure I've said many times. I, I think that there is a solution, but I just don't know what it is. It would be nice if someone would come up with it so I could use it at some point in the future. Early on, I mentioned procrastination, which is something that never really got all that much better because I even right up to the very last page, it was waiting. I said, okay, I'm going to start this at 2 p.m., and I would wait, and I would wait, and I'd wait, and I would almost never get started early. And I'd always, I wouldn't start doing anything until exactly 2 p.m. I'd be sitting there staring at the clock on my computer screen on the bottom right saying, oh, it's... 158. Okay, so I still got another, you know, 90 seconds or so. And that was that that was an issue that never really got any any better and I maybe that's an omen, you know, that I was never really enthusiastic to get working on it. But on the other hand, maybe it's just a sign that doing a comic is actual work. And I think that that's a, a large part of it too is that a lot of people seem to think that man, art should just be fun and should be no work at all cuz you're just having fun, you're just sitting down and drawing and in reality, it's it's actually not. It's it's a lot of work. Um, it's you know it's one thing if you're just doodling whatever you want, but if you're trying to actually produce something that's consistent from page to page, and you're trying to do it on a schedule, then it it ceases to be so much freeform, wacky, cooped out fun, and it kind of begins to be work. It was funny, and this is something that actually never came up in the comments, as far as I know. But it was funny how many people thought. Falcon Twin was an action comic, and I can sort of understand how they would think that, but when Brent did his last podcast, he said a, a very nice tribute to Falcon Twin at the very beginning. This was on show 65. And I was impressed that he actually did recognize that Falcon Twin is not an action comic. It's about the characters and about their interaction with one another. And it's so funny to see people saying, yeah, I wish you'd get back to the fight scenes and stuff with people killing each other. And, you know, I can kind of see that, but that's really not what the comic is about. It's about Mika and Tresca and their relationships and, you know, Sydney and her relationships with all the other people and that sort of thing. And so I find it still sort of amazing that people don't actually get that. I mean, what was it? One of the reviews, I think it was Digital Strips, actually, they said, you know, they have these action things and they have these long, long sequences of people just talking all the time. Well, that's what it is, guys. It's a comic about people talking to each other because that's what people do in the real world is they talk to each other about things. And that's what the comic is about, is about people interacting. And yet they didn't really seem to understand that, that that's what it is and not an action comic. Getting into podcasting was something that I'm really happy I did in 2005. I mean, that turned out to be one of the bigger wins of the entire thing, not just listening to podcasts, which, of course, has been very rewarding for me. I, it's strange to call it rewarding, but I do. I like it a lot. 
uh, but also producing podcasts. It's something that I very much liked, and for me, it's you know pretty much supplanted all the other media I used to consume, with the exception of maybe video games and the the interweb. Frankly, I'm much happier that way, and so and it's nice because as much as it was interesting, and I still have a lot of fond memories of listening to Chobits, you know, as I was doing the pages for Falcon Twin. It's nice to actually have new and different stuff to listen to every week when I'm doing the page, and so that was kind of nice. And it wasn't something that I was able to do before because I used to listen to the BBC news feed while I was working on the pages on the computer, but when I was actually doing the, the drawing part, all I could do was listen to DVDs. And so that was one thing that was a nice sort of benefit from podcasting was that I was actually able to have new stuff to listen to while I was working on the pages. And it was also, I think, nice to be able to get into it fairly early since... I really believe in podcasting as a medium, and I think that it has legs and we're only really seeing the beginning of it, and it's only going to get bigger from here on out. And as a matter of fact, I I don't know if I mentioned this on the Virgin Worlds podcast, but actually I might have just briefly, but when I was at GDC and I registered and they ask you for all this information about what company you're associated with and what your job title is, I filled in as my job title, podcaster. And I think that I might, in fact, have been the only person at GDC who had Podcaster as their job title on their badge. And that made me very proud you know, to be there kind of representing podcasting in my own little small way. And now I think I'm just going to talk about some general things that weren't necessarily directly from the comments that I was reading. Learning all the graphics software was kind of an issue, and I guess this did follow on a little bit from the comments, but I noticed that I a few times mentioned Painter, and I was thinking, yeah, I want to get into Painter, because I've seen... People do amazing stuff with Painter. There's a guy named Anri, a Russian guy. There's also a dude named Hyung Tai Kim, who's a very well-known South Korean artist who also uses Painter. And both of them just do the most amazing stuff. And so I really started to think, wow, man, i got to get into Painter. i got to get into it. But Painter has its own set of flaws. And also there's this weird sort of momentum that you get where it's kind of easy to get stuck in a single piece of software once you're used to it. So if you start with one app and you get used to it, then you're really very limited in your ability to switch later, you know, in terms of software packages. So even, you know, I I tried that experiment with shading the page with Painter, and then, of course, Painter crashed right when I was finished and completely wiped out the page. But even if that had actually worked out, ultimately, I don't think that I would have been able to move to Painter as a, as a final answer for doing the pages because it's just too much of a different workflow, and, you know, all of the features that I'm used to in, in Photoshop aren't really there in Painter. It's the same thing as with programming languages, right? Once you're committed to one programming language, switching midstream on a project is sort of ridiculous and impossible. And I think it's the same way with a project like this. Even if it's, you know, you're not going from, say, C++ to, to Python, which would be a huge shift in programming languages, you can't even switch on a smaller level from something like Photoshop to PaintShop Pro or Photoshop to GIMP or Photoshop to Painter because you just get too committed to that sort of thing. And that's... I posted so many times about, not so many times, but I posted a few times about Painter and the sort of frustration, and that's, I wish that I had been able to get more into it, but ultimately, you know, I was spending all my time in Photoshop, and every time that I was working with Photoshop just made me that much less able to to get into Painter. And it's the same sort of thing with operating systems, too, and not just graphics software, because, you know, I, I bought a Mac Mini last year so that I could work on Falcon Twin when my PC inevitably died, as it did several times last year. And it's been, knock on wood, it's been working pretty well since then, after I replaced the hard drive. But even using the Mac, it's not really very possible. I guess it's possible, but it's it's really difficult to actually change operating systems right in the middle of a project. 
So, I mean, now I could consider switching to the Mac and still doing graphics or something like that, but not in the middle of Falcon Twin because everything was set up on the Mac. And so that was one thing that I sort of learned is the difficulty of making choices midstream. I mean, the decisions you make at the beginning of a project are decisions you're going to have to live with for a very long time or else you're going to have to face a lot of pain if you want to change them. So something to bear in mind if you start your own projects. One thing that did turn out to actually be a pretty big success in Falcon Twin was the software for the site, which all things considered, I thought turned out pretty well. And it's sort of sad because no one else is ever going to really get to use it. And the only time that, again, knock on wood, that the site had issues was when the host did something stupid. They upgraded a piece of software. As a matter of fact, they did just recently. They upgraded MySQL, and now one of my MySQL backups doesn't work. And so the host changes things and stuff breaks. But knock on wood, I've never actually had a problem with my own software that I wrote for Falcon Twin. And it's been pretty reliable, and it's been easy enough to modify that even months and months after I had not really worked on it at all, if I needed to add in a feature, like the podcast, for instance, required adding new features, I was able to do it, and it worked out fine. And so that actually worked out pretty well, and it's it's sort of nice to actually have, you know, to log into this admin interface and go, hmm, this is actually like a real CMS, and it really works, as opposed to people who have stuff sort of duct taped together where they got, you know, a PHP script that they have to run, but they have to go upload something on FTP first, and you know, the sort of hacks that people actually do to get sites up and running, that's something that I'm pretty proud of not having to do because, you know, I sat down and I did all the work up front to make sure that the site actually was a real site with a real back end, and I think it paid off very well. If I were going to do it again, I almost definitely wouldn't roll my own because pretty much all of the site, with the exception of the forums, is stuff that I just wrote from scratch in PHP. As much as that didn't really work out quite well, if I were going to do it again, I wouldn't do that because for a couple of reasons. One, there's a lot of good software out there for running blogs and galleries and things like that that really either didn't exist at all when I started Falcon Twin or wasn't really in good release version when I started Falcon Twin. As a matter of fact, I remember looking through the comments and it wasn't blog software, but I remember recommending what Firefox 0.7 or something like that. So even stuff that now seems ubiquitous like Firefox was not really in release stage at the time that I started Falcon Twin. So there's a lot of good blog software that you could bang into shape. You could grab a copy of WordPress. You could grab a copy of Text Pattern or something like that and make it work. And then there's also a lot of things like Ruby on Rails, and there's 50 different versions of that written in Python and PHP, which you would still be sort of writing your own site, but at least you wouldn't be doing all the grunt work of actually interacting with the database and constructing SQL statements and stuff like that. So that's something that would definitely make it a lot easier to do in the future. Personally, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's advantages to both ways. Um, it's In a way, it's kind of nice to have someone else's software, so if there are problems, they have to deal with it. But on the other hand, if there are problems, then your site might get exploited, which, again, knock on wood, I haven't actually had happen to the Falcon Twin site proper yet. Actually, I don't think I've had it happen to the forums either, although the one guy got in there and spammed. But that is the one, that's the price you pay, is that you get someone else to do the work, but you also incur a little bit of risk because everyone is familiar with it, and so it can get exploited. Another thing that I would change if I were building a site, especially if I were using something like Ruby or or some copy thereof written in PHP or Python, would be I would use a database that was not MySQL. Specifically, I, I know that there are interfaces out there, I think SQLite is one of them, that store all of the database data in just a plain old file 
that's right there in the file system along with all the rest of your files for your site. I would really prefer to use that in the future because taking MySQL databases and shuttling them around and getting everything set up in terms of permission stuff is really kind of a pain in the ass. It's, it's a lot more trouble than it's worth, and I really like the idea of being able to just take an entire FTP copy of a site, go to another host, upload everything, and then for the most part it should just work. Maybe you have to fix some paths or something. But otherwise, I think that that's much better. And if you do have a MySQL database and you need to switch hosts, well, then you got to get a dump of the database, and then you got to go into the, the MySQL thing for your new host, you got to upload the database, and then you got to create the users, and then you got to set all the permissions and stuff like that. If you could just do all that by copying a file off one site and copying it straight onto another site, I think that would be a big win. That's another lesson learned for building sites if I were to do it again. As far as the art goes, I think the biggest thing is that I really wish that I had spent more time drawing real people and things because I, without a doubt, would have improved much, much more, much, much faster if I had. If you look at the first about year of Falcon Twin, most of 2003, you can see that the improvements were happening on a relatively rapid basis, and there's probably more improvement between the beginning of Falcon Twin and the end of 2003 than there is in almost all of the rest of the comic, because that's when I was taking a, a life drawing and a life painting class at school, and you know I was actually in there multiple times every week drawing and painting actual people there. And boy, it just makes a huge difference in terms of your ability to actually know how human anatomy works because after that you know I didn't really do a lot of drawing of real people and so it's just kind of like yeah well I think that the shoulder kind of attaches this way and and so if I had been able to take more classes at UCSD that would have been really nice I, it didn't seem like that was going to work out just because of the prerequisites and everything but that would have been kind of nice drawing is something that is obviously neither easy nor fun for most people at first, and, and that was the case for me also. There are some people who are just born with a, a natural gift for drawing, or not born with it, but they, they have what appears to be a natural gift for drawing. That's not the case for me, and so that's why I think that if you don't have that gift, and if you do, you're probably already drawing. If you don't, the only way you're going to get better is just draw a whole hell of a lot. And I've said this when I was talking about the how to draw manga books, is that no book is going to tell you, oh, just do this, and you'll automatically be awesome. It just doesn't work that way. You just need to draw a ton. And I noticed that the interesting thing was in Falcon Twin, a lot of the improvements seemed to be associated with times when I tried to change stuff. And so you'll notice that when you know, I, I got into sort of a rut with the way I was doing the comic for the first, you know, for chapter one and the prologue, I sort of got into a rut with the pencils, and then I changed it up and said, okay, I'm going to do it different. And then I started doing it with Photoshop, and it took a while for me to get up to speed, but then I got into a rut with Photoshop again. And so it seems like the big changes and the big improvements are always associated with shaking things up and mixing things up a little bit. So I don't know what value that is to you, but that was an observation that I made. And I also complained about a lack of really good sources for doing real art in Photoshop, and I haven't really looked into it too much, but I get the sense that that's still an issue because... I don't hear of too many people doing actual good tutorials about how to just do like real drawing in Photoshop or Painter or ArtRage or any of these programs. I mean, there are a couple. There's the the books from I think Don Siegmiller, you know, Digital Character Painting and Design, and those are good. But I don't see too many of those books around. Too many things like that. I don't know. Maybe it just goes back to what I was saying a minute ago that you can't learn anything from a book, but. 
the idea that there's no sources for that just seems so strange because there are a billion sites where you can find out how to crop images and how to do stupid-looking Mac OS X aqua buttons in Photoshop, and yet we don't need more sources on that. What we need are sources where you can actually do good, interesting things from scratch that aren't just a copy of some other thing someone's done before. And it just doesn't really seem to be a lot of that. And I guess part of it's just cashing in because it's easy to write a book about how to use the crop tool and get rid of red eye for all the people who bought Photoshop because they think that you really need it to do that. But boy, it's kind of disappointing to not have more sources on that. Back to the comments now. On November 29th, 2003, which was a Thanksgiving post, I wrote, in the big context of a post where I had mentioned that a friend of mine went to work at a very big game developer and, and worked on successful, very high-profile PS2 games. And I asked him what it was like to work on successful games. And I closed out that post by saying that every single project I've ever worked on, all of them, have been an abject failure, and I really don't know what it's like to work on a successful project. Reading through that again today, I was wondering if maybe this is one of the few projects that I can say is not a complete and abject failure despite all the things that I've posted on the site. In that post, I've mentioned Final Fantasy X2 and how the the level of the art and the level of the sound and the level of the programming is so high that people don't even ever really try. You know, if they look at something like that, they can think, well, you know, there's no way I'm ever going to reach that level. And it's it's really no wonder that people don't try. I mean, if you look at that sort of material, it's easy to just get daunted and say, well, I'm never going to get there. And, you know, it's for most people, that's actually true. But I think that maybe people overestimate it. But also, it's easy to get intimidated from doing something like that because projects like even something like Falcon Twin, which is a comparatively fairly small project, are a lot more work than they seem. I was sitting down and I did the math this afternoon and I said, well, okay, Falcon Twin is 400 pages and it took about 12 hours a page. So let's say that's 4,800 hours and let's just assume that I spend about you know, 200 hours working on other things, you know, gallery pieces, working on the site, you know, building the site and administering the forms and things like that, scripting, I mean, everything. So let's round it up to 5,000 hours, whereas a full-time job is 50 weeks a year, five days a week, eight hours a day. That's about 2,000 hours of work. So I've spent about two and a half years of work at a full-time job on something like Falcon Twin, and you can sort of see where that got me. And so it's hard, it's easy to understand how someone could get intimidated and discouraged when they're looking at that kind of work. I've heard people say that every person who wants to draw has a thousand bad drawings in them. And what they have to do is they have to get those thousand bad drawings out before they can actually start doing good drawings. And then other people say 10,000. And I think that those people are probably a little more on the right track. It's so easy to get discouraged halfway. Working on something like Falcon Twin is kind of like being a recovering alcoholic. You know, when you work on these big, huge projects, it's really easy to fall off the wagon. It's kind of like exercise. People say, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm getting shape. And then they go to the gym. You know, they do it. They're doing it five times a week. And then uh, something happens. Well, I'll just skip it today. And then, you know, one day turns into two days. Then they go back and they're going to keep going. And then, you know, maybe they miss another couple days the next week. And it just, it's so easy, and it's just like being a recovering alcoholic. You have to never, ever, ever take that drink. And it's the same thing with exercise. It's the same thing with doing a project like Falcon Twin that's a big commitment. You have to not ever let yourself slack off, because if you do, it's 
very likely that you will never ever start it again. And that's one of the reasons that I did push myself so hard in not skipping pages in Falcon Twin because I knew that that's exactly what would happen. And you see it all the time in web comics. You see these guys are saying like, yeah, well, you know, I'm just going to kind of update whenever I feel like it. Or, you know, this whole, you know, weekly schedule is a little too difficult. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do it every week, but, you know, maybe not. And that's usually the, the death of their comics. And it was funny. I was looking at the at the comments earlier, and on page 20, I was surprised and happy that I had actually made it that far, which if I had gone back and told myself at the time that I would have finished Falcon Twin with almost 410 pages, I think I would have been a little shocked. But it's really when you have a situation like I just described where you have to always keep at it, it's no wonder that people in webcomics just give up so easily because especially if you're not making any meaningful money off of it and if you're looking at your stuff and thinking, well, I'm not improving as fast as I'd like, gosh, I mean, you'd almost have to be insane not to stop. And so I can, as much as I don't have a tremendous amount of respect for all the people who start and then just sort of slack off and, and just give up, it's it's hard not to understand why they do it. That being said, if there's one thing that I can say for myself, it's that I finish what I start, and that's always something that I've been proud of. And that's part of the reason that I finished Falcon Twin, and by God, I did finish Falcon Twin, so I'm keeping up that streak of finishing what I start. I wrote last week about having a loss of purpose, because I, when I was working on Falcon Twin, at least I had something that I could say, well, this is what I'm here for. And... I miss that in a way. It's nice to have a purpose. I mean, it's it's motivating and it tells you, I mean, it gives you direction because there's, you know, and it's, it's like, and I think I compared it in the post to this, it's kind of like leaving college where, you know, when you're in college, you know exactly what you got to do. You got to go to class, you got to pass your test, and you got to take the next classes the next quarter. And then once you leave college, it's like, okay, well, now what? You know, find a job. Well, where? You know, and then all of a sudden it becomes this sort of like, well, just do whatever. You know, find a job. Well, where? You decide. That kind of thing. But at the same time, having purpose is also incredibly frustrating, especially if there's not some sort of big obvious payoff. I mean, because as much as I hate college, at least there is an obvious payoff. I get a piece of paper that says I went to UCSD for three years, which, when I put it that way, doesn't really seem all that worth it. But... Regardless, at least there is a payoff, but at the end of Falcon Twin, the payoff is, you know, I finished Falcon Twin. So purpose is something that's, you know, that's kind of a mixed blessing. It's good, and it's also, it can be very frustrating. Something I don't think I ever mentioned in the podcast or in the comments on Falcon Twin was that, you know, Falcon Twin, the abbreviation is FT, and I use that a lot when I'm writing in the comments or I'm in email. And, you know, there's another expression that abbreviates to FT, fuck this. And when I was reading through the comments on August 20th, 2003, and I don't know exactly what the context was, but I was just furious. And the title of this comment was, here's your fucking strip already. And it was this, it wasn't very long, but it was this little diatribe about how sick and tired of it, why I was. And it just, if it kept going like that, I was going to stop. The funny thing is that well before I started actually doing the comic, I knew that FT also stood for fuck this. And when I did actually start doing it, I said, if I ever say, fuck this, I'm quitting. And in the entire four years that I was working on Falcon Twin, I never did say that. I did come awfully damn close a couple of times, I guess apparently in 2003, and then also at the end of summer in 2006, when I had the big blow up about how it was just a complete waste of time and everything. And 
and I, I came awful close to saying it, but I never did. And for me, it was kind of, it was sort of like a speech act, you know, where saying it makes the act happen. Kind of like how, you know, Muslim men can say, I divorce you three times to their wives, and that makes it official. They're actually officially divorced. And it's the same sort of thing where if I had said, fuck this, that would have been it for Falcon Twin. And so I never did. And actually, now that I think about it, I never actually even missed a strip without announcing, did I? And I defy you to find a lot of webcomics that can say that. I, I really, in retrospect, though, wish that I had taken a few scheduled breaks, especially during the summers, because I probably, I mean, working on it every single week, every week for four years is is over the top. It's too much. As much as I, you know, I go on about it, it's kind of like being an alcoholic. It's one thing to skip it just because you're feeling lazy. It's another thing to just say, okay, no, I'm going to take a week or I'm going to take two weeks and I'm just going to chill. I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to do whatever. And just, you know, let it sit for a while. And I think that that would have probably alienated me less towards the comic if I had done that. And I wouldn't have felt quite as much like I had completely wasted my time in college, especially the summers, because, I mean, there we're talking about three, four, five, four summers that I actually didn't do anything but Falcon Twin all summer long. And, you know, I mean, that's like, you know, you don't really get that opportunity to actually have four summers completely free. And the fact that I didn't do anything with them is something that, in retrospect, I do kind of resent. And so that would have been a good thing to do. And so if you're going to do a comic, don't make the mistake of thinking that you are unstoppable and that, you know, you're a machine and you're just going to keep going because ultimately it's it's not going to do it. So, in the end... I guess the big question for me is, was Falcon Twin worth it? And it's a difficult question to answer. I'm not entirely sure. I didn't get anything concrete out of it, in a way. So, I mean, I I guess I can draw a little better. But that's about all. I mean, I didn't really make any money off it. And, you know, that's about all I got out of it. So, you know, in a way, maybe it wasn't worth doing. You know, it's possible that at some point, you know, in the next couple of months when I'm looking for a job, that someone will look at this and go, hey, dude, this is amazing, and I'll get hired at some awesome company or something like that. I kind of doubt it. But when all is said and done, I still have something that I can point to and say, I did that, which, for better or for worse, is not something a lot of other people really get to do. You know, all they can do is point at their TV and say, I looked at that. You know, for them, maybe that's enough. For me, I actually appreciate being able to have something that I can claim as my own and say, yeah, it was fucking hell to do it, but I did it. You know, as I mentioned in the comments post last week, that all goes to my friend Adam, who's a a friend who's been my friend since I was working on Lightwave plugins many years ago. As I said, we both wanted to do comics, and he wanted to do kind of a strip comic, not a, a big story thing. And so we said we were going to make a bet, a little contest. And we would do each do a page a week and then see what we could do. And after, you know, a couple of weeks, it was kind of clear that his heart wasn't in it. But at that point, I was rolling. And I, I think that I owe that all to Adam, without whom I probably wouldn't have ever started. So at the end of the day, I do have something that I can say I did. And I can thank Adam for that, and I can thank everyone who encouraged me, despite my incessant whining and emo, to complete Falcon Twin. 
So with that, I'm going to close this podcast. I hope you enjoyed Falcon Twin. I hope you enjoyed the podcasts. And thanks for reading.